Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Today's review by Rhonda Nunez, titled High Five. Shaleen is always right on. She definitely is knowledgeable, balanced, and a bright light. She is my number one favorite. Well, hey there. Welcome to this edition of The Shaleen Show. It's Car Smart Friday. Please put your seatbelt on. We are going for a ride, a ride that some of you are, you're on this journey right now. Some of you are past it. And some of you are years and years away. And I want to give you some idea of how to prepare for that day. The day you send your baby off to college. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Brett and I have two kids, Brock, our oldest, and Sierra, his sister, and both of them are now off at college. Brock was obviously our first, and I think Brock was harder to send off to college because he was our first and also because he went so far away. But recently, because of you know, this time of year, I've been getting a lot of questions from people asking, like, how do I deal with this? And how do I prepare? And what should I know? And I remember asking that question too, and hearing, you know, even women who I know really well would give kind of a guarded answer, almost like, yeah, it's not easy. Almost like they didn't want to tell you how hard it was. You know, it's kind of like childbirth, right? Like people... If you ask another woman, like, what was it like to have a baby? They say, oh, it was the most beautiful thing. It's the greatest thing you'll ever do. It was the happiest day of my life. The most meaningful thing I've ever done. But if you actually ask about the birth, you know, sometimes that's a pretty horrific story. And not everybody's really honest about that. And I don't think everybody's really honest about what it feels like to drop your kid off at school. So... I want to share with you some honest, you know, I guess recollection, like what I remember about it, what we went through. And if you don't want to hear this because it's quickly approaching, I'm just going to encourage you to keep listening because there's some things I wish I'd known, right? And even my own mom, like, you know, there was a point at which I left for school and then there was a point at which after I graduated, so I went to school at Michigan State and I grew up in Michigan. And then after I graduated from Michigan State, which was only about an hour and a half from where I lived, Brett's in the car with me. Is that how far it was? No, an hour? Less than an hour and a half. Probably maybe like 60, 70 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So once I graduated from Michigan State and I met this guy who was from California who went to Michigan State, we decided to move to California. And I remember my mom and dad hugging me and, you know, saying goodbye in the airport. And I remember being a little bit tear-filled, but I... You know, I've never talked to my mom about like how hard that was or what she went through or any of those things. You know, so it's one of those things we, we don't always talk honestly about it. But if you think about it, every woman you've ever met who's a mother, an older mother, 
has tried to warn you about it in subtle ways. It's the woman who crouches down next to your stroller and says, oh, it's going to go by so fast. It goes by so fast. It's over in a minute. Enjoy every moment. And you've heard people say that. And when you're in it, you're like, oh, I can't go by fast enough. Like it's so, it can be overwhelming and you feel like you're making so many sacrifices when your kids are little and there's constant fighting and there's you can never rest you can never close your eyes what honey we have that saying what during that time the days were long the years just went by so fast yeah i don't know if that was our saying maybe it wasn't but we heard that and we heard that that was that's freaking true it's so true you know, there's just, God, I just remember when they were so little feeling like, what is it going to be like? Like, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like we were looking forward to our kids being gone, but you look forward to a day where you can like, kind of like take a deep breath and you're not running every second and there's not always something to remember and someone's homework and a, a lunch to make and, oh no, someone forgot to do their project and now we're running out to Walmart in the middle of the night. Is Walmart open in the middle of the night? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I remember like going to like the 24-hour CVS because someone forgot to do their project and, you know, doing all-nighters with them. And just, it's just, it's constant. And you wonder, like, is this going to get easier? When is this going to get easier? And when will I just be able to like just chill and focus on my husband or focus on my thing? And, And then all of a sudden it happens. So when other women usually sometimes husbands or maybe even your own parents when they tell you that like it goes by so fast I remember thinking when does the pace start to pick up well the pace starts to move at the speed of light the summer months just prior to taking your kid off to school all of a sudden you're going to wake up you're going to open up your eyes and you're going to say holy how it's here now I have friends specifically my friend Michelle Park we exercise together and I won't forget how we talked about it a lot like it was cool to have her to talk about it but we also would also try to not talk about it because we would both get teary-eyed when it was happening with our kids and I remember thinking like okay I'm just gonna pretend that this is no big deal I'm going to try not to think about it and then all of a sudden the time was here and we were packing up to take Brock to school so I'm really like trying to think how do I tell you and that's what I'm going to do I'm going to tell you exactly how I felt and it's only my experience yours may be very different I had sadness there was a piece that felt like I don't want to say a death but you just feel like this empty sadness, this like like lump in your throat. But at the same time, there was this happiness, like sadness because we were happy. I think ours, to be honest, had a lot to do with how far it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do. I think I just remember myself because I was in a similar situation as Brock going off to school to play football and when I was just going an hour away from home my parents I would have to ask them but I don't remember them having any you you know emotion about or anything like that because it's an hour away it's similar to what we did with Sierra's like like literally we could jump in a car in any moment and be there in an hour yeah Brock it's a six-hour flight yeah yeah so let's start with the end in mind for us 
you know, and for you as a parent, or maybe as you're, you know, thinking about like what your own parents tried to do with you, we set out to raise an adult. Like when we had kids, we said our job is to prepare them to be adults, like prepare them to handle it themselves. And so things that we worked on all their lives and and we consciously thought about it. We read books and we listened to podcasts, but we wanted to make sure that they were self-sufficient, that they were kind, that they were really confident, confident in a way that they didn't have to be boastful or arrogant. Resourceful. Very, yep. We wanted them to be resourceful. We needed them to believe in themselves. We wanted them to be problem solvers. Now, everything that I've said so far, the only way you raise a kid to be a problem solver is if you make them solve their own problems. Because if you're doing it for them, that doesn't help them. We wanted to teach them how to manage money, how to save money, how to make money, how to come up with money when you're in a pinch. And the only way you do that is not by telling your kids, you actually have to have them experience it. And so we did that. We taught them how to be organized, how to create a daily schedule, how to clean their rooms and keep things decluttered. And not just like you have to do this because it's your mom and dad's rules, but we help them to understand like why that was such a benefit to them, like how much better their brains felt and how much easier it was for them to sleep if they made a to-do list out for the next morning. Like from the time they were really young, we taught them how to create daily lists. We always wanted them to know that they had their own voice. Yes. Well, you and I always had the last say, but we always wanted them to come to the table or to bring ideas to us or ask us questions and never feel like they couldn't ask questions or right. like, or if they had an opinion about something that they felt intimidated to share it. That's and we would always give them like, okay, well, here's your options. And if you want to do this one, here are the consequences you can expect. And if you want to do this one, here's what you're going to have to deal with. And we would always kind of lay it out for them and kind of like let them decide, but also help them to understand, but you're going to have to deal with the consequences. Mom and dad aren't like mopping it up. We wanted them to trust themselves. We wanted them to know we trusted them. And the only way you do that is by giving your kids enough rain that they know that they're being trusted until such time that they haven't earned that trust. And then we would rein it back in. We wanted them to be able to make their own decisions. So I think, you know, when I look at their friends, you know, other people I know whose kids like really struggle with decisions is because their parents made all the decisions for them. Here's who you're hanging out with. Here's what you're wearing. Here's the sport that you're playing. Here are the teams you're playing for. Here's, you know, like just tell them like everything. And so kids, they don't get to make decisions. And what that does is it, it produces an 18 year old who is paralyzed because they can't make decisions because someone's always made them for them. So we, we taught them to make decisions and we taught them that there are going to be problems to expect problems and then believe that you can fix it. You can fix it yourself. Mom and dad don't need to fix it. You can fix it yourself. And I'm not saying that like we didn't help our kids and that they didn't struggle and they didn't, you know, come to us and say, but I don't know what to do. And when they would do that, we would kind of walk them through it like, well, okay, well, what are the options so that they could learn how to think that way themselves. How to process that information. Yeah. We tried our best to teach them how to make friends and get along with people. 
they find new friends. Yeah, and if you want to feel really secure when you're taking them to school, I don't know if you've got time to do this, like if you're, you know, a couple years out or 10 years away or 15 years away or 15 days away, you want to give your kids the tools that they need to cope because they are going to be homesick. They are going to miss you. They are going to be sad and alone that you have to prepare them to feel that and how to cope with it so that when it gets tough, they're not like, mom, I'm coming home. Yeah. Brock was homesick. I don't recall Sierra being homesick. Uh Uh-uh. Again, because she's it's different, I think, it's our way. Yeah, Brock was definitely homesick, and he, you know, tried really hard not to tell us. He was trying to, you know, have a stiff upper lip and... Tough it out. Tough it out. But, you know, eventually he he confided in me how homesick he was and how, you know, kind of sad he was. And we talked through it. We talked about what he could do to keep himself busy and occupied and happy and focused on a goal. And at that time, it was starting a new business for him and so he had these like couple of months where he was able to start building a business start filming an academy just before school started but to back that is Sierra did also have some anxiety because it was the first time that she was on her own you you know like on her own yeah you know and she struggled a little bit at first of like organizing her time. Yeah. And I remember some of those phone calls, especially with you, it's just like she needed to really go back and relearn that lesson again. Yeah. Like it was just a reminder to, okay, nothing's different. Just pull out your day planner, pull your push journal. She literally was using a push journal and I'm like, and just you do the same thing. You just, it's just that your schedule has changed. And for her, that was a little bit of a difficult transition because she had to figure out when am I exercising? When am I shopping for healthy food? And and by the way, I've asked both of my kids, I'm going to give them some guilt over this. I've asked them to both prepare for me. So you could hear directly from them, how they both were able to maintain their healthy lifestyle because they both you know, didn't fall into that like unhealthy food trap or the drinking a lot trap or the, you know, laying around. Like they both used exercise and nutrition to create that normalcy. So you want to help your kids understand that they're going to feel those things. You want to teach them how to deal with disappointment and then how to pick themselves back up and to expect that. And there's a couple of good books I want to recommend for you guys. I'm going to put them in the show notes because I can't think of them right now while I'm driving. But I remember there's one that's like really, really good. And I can't remember the statistic. I'm going to mess it up. But like it was shocking. Something like 75% of freshmen want to come home and drop out of school and like go back to mom and dad within the first three months. And that was really reassuring because Sierra's roommates definitely went through that and they stayed. Um, uh, I remember Brock experiencing that with a lot of kids at the school he was at. Okay, so now let's, you know, that's how you prepare your kid. And, and, and I think one of the things I felt was a sense of almost like pride. So whenever I do a big project, Brett will tell you this is true. Whenever I finish a huge project that I'm really focused on doing it well and meeting a particular goal, and I set out with the end in mind, that objective, and once I reach that goal, I always have an emotional response, whether it's writing a book or doing an exercise program or finishing the Marketing Impact Academy or, you know, 
raising a child and sending them off to school. Like I have this moment where I just break down and cry. It's almost like when you see someone cross the finish line the first time they've run a marathon. The tears are just like happy with myself. Like I did it and I made the sacrifices and you're proud and you're reflective and you're you're just taking a moment to say like, I did it, we did it. Yeah, I get that. It's not sad and it's not like overwhelmingly happy. It's just emotion. It's yeah. just like I did some tough and yeah. I made it through it yeah. and everybody survived and I survived and I just need a good cry right now. Yeah, I think if I were like to climb the top of a mountain, I would probably get up to the top and cry. You think so? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> don't take me hiking though. I don't have the right heels yeah. for that. Or the gear. Yeah, you don't have the right gear. <laughs> How long do you remember feeling like that the house was empty or feeling sad? Five or six weeks. Ah. Uh-huh. I think I think it took five or six weeks. And I think I needed to create new habits uh-huh. and new, like, to get used to the situation. The of new not, normal, yeah. Yeah, the new I normal. I just remember though. coming home with Sierra and thinking, ah, oh, it's the three of us. Yeah. It's just the three of us and knowing that, like, she was probably sad and there were, like, certain songs I couldn't hear and I really was trying to, like... And here's, here's another thing I want to just mention before I forget is... Don't make this hard on your kids. The absolute biggest mistake that you can make is to make your child feel guilty or feel more emotion because, I mean, I've heard parents say, like, I feel like my heart's been ripped out. Like, one of Brock's roommates, when he first went to Georgetown, his mother would call and cry every night. And I was like, get a grip. Like, cry to your husband. Don't cry to your son. That's just not right, in my opinion. And this is going to sound really crazy, but it's when I downloaded Snapchat. Oh, yeah. And because I needed a way to stay connected to him other than texting. Uh-huh. And so this, that's right when, like, you know, everybody was doing Snapchat, but I hadn't even downloaded the app yet. And I remember downloading the app in the hotel the night before he left, and that was just going to be, like, our thing. Yeah. And I mean, we, we still doing it like we our streak is like crazy. So like we every day we, you know, talk to each other. You've done it every single day for three, three years, three years, every, even when he, yeah, now at the new school. Yeah. Even when he's here, yeah. Brett and, and Brock still Snapchat each other every single day. So they never lose that streak, which is so funny, but that really did help us. It did so help. That if did you help a lot. like making videos you know, it's one thing to send a video on your phone, but just social media made that really super easy. And it's better. I, I mean, I'm not saying don't do FaceTime, but FaceTime requires, you know, both of you to be on the same schedule. And, you know, sometimes it's quick. Sometimes you can't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Snap is like you could do it. You can give them a, a message or you can ask them how his day is going and you can just send it to them and they can answer and respond at their yeah, own. Convenience. Yeah. It's not like FaceTime sometimes can be difficult because they don't know your schedule and you don't know their schedule. Yeah. It was cool because Brock would send us like videos of him walking through the campus. And again, we would see them when we opened up the app, right? So we could see like his room or his roommates or little glimpses of where he was going and where he was, you know, having lunch and who he was sitting with and what the library looked like. It was really cool. And it did really help us to feel connected. Definitely helped. helped. Let me think what else I wanted to say. Even Sierra was sad, so we we talked about it. I would say it was probably about the same amount of time 
for me to just go like, okay, this is the new normal. And then you feel that sadness again when they come home for Christmas break and then leave. You feel that same sadness if you go to visit them. And like, I just remember when we would visit him at Georgetown saying goodbye, thinking, what am I doing? I'm so choked up again, you know? But you know you're going to see your kid again, but it's just different. And no one really... You can't prepare for it. I did not think I was going to be sad. I did not think I would feel, I was going to feel the way that I did. And it's hard to explain. And I just, you know what it does? It gives me total, like I can't even think about what it would be like to lose a child. Oh. I can't even let myself go there. Can't do it. But some things I think would be helpful for you is to to not wallow in it. Give yourself a chance to cry, you know, but don't burden your child with your sadness. Let them know that, you know, because you're going to cry. You're going to cry when you say goodbye, I think, unless you have a heart of ice. (laughs) (laughs) But when you do that, like tell your child, like, because I'm crying doesn't mean that I'm not so, so happy for you. I'm, I'm so, so happy for you. It's just, I'm feeling emotion. I remember all of us being good, like all of us being good until... We were sitting outside of his dorm room, and it was just like, oh, this, yeah, yeah. You're, you're going this way, and we're going that yeah. way, and we're not coming back to pick you up tomorrow yeah. to go to breakfast. Yeah. We have a flight tomorrow morning. That was weird. And it was still early, because yeah. I remember he he had something that night he had to go well, to. Well, I actually have the recording of it, oh, so I'll play do? that, yeah. Wow. But do you remember the night before you made a toast at dinner? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know, you were like, so Brock, and then <clears throat> we're all like getting choked up, and... You know, I think Brock was fine. He was probably excited. I don't know what he was feeling. I'll have to ask him. But so for you, I would just say don't burden your child with it and keep yourself busy. Like set a new goal, a new objective. You now like try to find the positives in it. Like we really did have suddenly a lot more time. Even though we still had Sierra at home, you know, we went to all of Brock's games and we're always entertaining his friends and always making food and always shopping and always cleaning up. Like there, there was, kids take a lot of time and just having one less, we were like, wow, we have more time and more money because that kid ate a lot of food. He ate a lot of food. And so t- look forward to that and take on a new project, something that you can pour yourself into. And I'm not saying that you should just you know, brush over or what's the word when you push down your feelings? What's that called? Bury them. (laughs) Yeah. Don't bury your feelings. Like I want you to feel all the feels, but I also know people who like, they just dwell on it. It becomes their identity. Yeah. Don't let it become your identity because it's and only going to affect your songs kids. And they play sad songs and every picture they look past and babies make and, them cry. And, and you know what the other thing too is, if it becomes your identity and you're dwelling in it, and unless you have an only child, your other children are seeing that. Yeah. And then what if you what if you don't do it when they leave or yeah. you know they don't get the same feeling or you know it's like and I don't think that you can say oh I love this child more than the, this child by because of that action. Uh-huh. But just think about your other kids that are at the house. I mean they still need you. They still need all of those lessons yeah. taught to them. So if you are like wallowing in one child going off to school, then, you know, you're just hurting everybody else. Yeah. Well, I'm going to see if I, um, I'm going to play that message for you guys, but do me a favor and do yourself a favor and start something new. 
whatever, maybe you're going to blog about the experience or maybe now is the time to write your ebook or maybe now is that time for you to dig in and really discover what is your thing? What is the thing that you've had inside of you that you've just haven't given yourself permission to figure out what it is that you could do something with it, something fun, start a, a new side hustle or take up a hobby that you used to love and and take it back up again. Like use this time so that it is a new beginning for you too and enjoy it. And if your kids, I mean, if you're a parent to an only child or I can't imagine like if you've had twins and you send them both off at the same time, I just don't even know what that feels like. But I have to imagine just from everything that I read before recording this today, I tried to find blogs where like moms were and dads were like really honest about the feelings. They all say you get through it pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, you know? Five, I mean, think about it. I mean, five, five, six weeks. That's what I recall. And you know what? It wasn't like five or six weeks. Of, like, I was bummed. And then all of a sudden on the sixth week, it was like good. It was just a gradual thing. But it, I remember it took me that time. And it was one week of real sadness for me. Yeah. Like one, like probably four days of like a lot of sadness. And then... And then a week of just feeling just like something wasn't right at home. Something was missing. Someone was missing. And and then every week it got a little bit better. So it does get better with time. All right. I'm going to play you this message now. That's you know a- what else it did got in our house? It got a little quieter. Because Brock out of our two children's talked a lot more than here. So it got quieter. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to cut to a recording that I made basically a couple of days after we dropped Brock off at college. So it's pretty raw. So enjoy, but know that you're going to get through this. I know you will. I know I've not been as consistent with my podcasting as I had been in the past. And I thank you for honoring the fact that I have honored my family. So the last year, you know, was Brock's last senior year in high school. And as you know, you've been on this journey with me, we have two kids, Brock and Sierra. So we took Brock to school in Georgetown. And let me tell you, I had decided to ignore it, (laughs) ignore that it was coming, ignore that everyone was telling me, oh, girl, you are going to be so sad. And I told Brock, like, dude, we're okay. We're just going to low key this. So, you know, let's not talk about it too much. Let's ignore those people who are trying to tell us it's going to be really sad. Let's not make a big deal. Let's not everybody cry. Let's just do the whole knuckles thing, you know, maybe a fist bump and say, I'll see you soon. But here we are on this beautiful, amazing campus built in 1847 in Washington, D.C., 2,500 miles away from home. The air feels different. People dress differently. The campus looks like it's from a movie. And I'm standing there with Brett and Sierra, and it's a warm, humid night. And kids are moving their stuff into their, their little apartments and dorms are really dorms. And the sun is just set, like there's just a little bit of light before the streetlights come on. And it's that moment. It's that moment where you, uh, you hug your kid and you try not to lose it. And you're saying goodbye the same way you said goodbye every time they've left to go to school or every time they've left to go on a date. But you just know this time it's, it's different. Try to hold it together. And I did. I tried to hold it together. I didn't want him to feel guilty. I wanted him to know it was sad for me, but I wanted him to be excited about where he was. I let him see me cry a little bit. And Brett, the night before, I made a toast to him while we were at dinner. And 
got teary eyed and here I am just looking at this man, (laughs) really these big broad shoulders, but I still see a baby and to see him just kind of, you know, walking away. I know it's not forever, but the emotions are so profound and I've been trying to sort through what those emotions are. I better pull myself back together so I can tell you what they are because it's amazing and it's really happy. These tears that you hear, these tears that you can probably see, maybe you have some of your own, are because I'm so proud. I am so proud of my commitment. Yeah, I was crying because I was going to miss him. But a big part of my happiness is that we did it right. I have zero regrets. I don't regret saying yes to anything because we waved goodbye to a man who obviously we will see again (laughs) very soon, but he's ready. We did our job and we did it right. We did it well. We raised a young man who will leave his mark no matter where he is, who will touch the lives of many, who cares about others, who is kind, who is humble, who has strong faith, determination, and he can take care of himself. And my tears were just kind of like, it was the same kind of tears I experienced. You know, it's not even on the same level, but like when I finished a giant, 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 huge project and this was the first half of a giant, giant, huge project. The second half, of course, being his sister. But it's pretty amazing, you guys. And, you know, it's the new normal. Of course, of course, I miss him terribly. But I've read so many books about this. You know me, I'm a reader. I've read so many books and listened to podcasts and talked to other parents who sent their kids off to school. And I don't know that anyone's ever really kind of tapped into explaining what it is you feel because it's not an emptiness for me anyways. I mean, I don't claim to speak on behalf of everyone. It's not an emptiness. And yeah, I miss them, but like God more, it's just like, wow, I can't believe we raised a human. (laughs) I can't believe we did it. And you kind of like, I don't know. I imagine this is what it's like to like get through something really, really hard and just know that you did right. Like I, I am so freaking proud of the way we have honored our children. I don't do a lot of podcasts around bragging. Y'all, I am bragging my ass off right now. We have focused on our kids first and it pays off. I wish I could read you the text messages, the letters, ah, the messages, the emails from this kid. Talk about payoff. Wow. And maybe this is what they do when they first go away to school, but I just feel an overwhelming sense of pride and joy and gratitude, gratitude to you, you know, cause you never let go of me. You, you always honored the fact that I couldn't be at some of the things other trainers or other business folks were doing seminars or workshops or this or that, or TV shows or, or, or just access to me. Like, you know, it bothered me sometimes, but yet I always knew I was doing the right thing. And those of you who listen to the show, my lifers, like you have so supported me and told me over and over that it's helped you to do the same thing and that you honor that. And I, ugh, I could not, we, Brett and I could not have done this without you. It's unbelievable to have your support and to know that you care about me and my family and have allowed me to make them first. 
Thank you. I love you. I hope I didn't make you cry. I hope we have been able to shed some light on what you can expect and maybe how to navigate this and you will survive it. And you've done a great job. You've done an amazing job. Don't second guess yourself. Don't question. It was all meant to be. And your kid is going to be great. So pat yourself on the back and look forward to this next chapter because it really does get even better. I promise it does. I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon. Hi, this is Brooke Powers, Vice President at Smart Life. And I wanted to tell you about one of my favorite products that we have. It's our push journal. And we created the push journal because we know that you want to be making progress towards your goals. And in order to do that, you need a better system to hold yourself accountable. The problem is you've tried countless planners and journals and nothing seems to stick, let alone be effective, which I'm sure can make you feel defeated. We believe it shouldn't be a burden to keep track of your productivity and hit your goals. We understand that motivation, organization, and sticking to a routine can be a struggle. We've motivated and helped thousands of people to identify and set goals and stay focused on daily tasks that increase productivity that actually help you hit your goals. Does this sound like you? This is all you need to do. Go to pushjournal.com and order your push journal set. While you're waiting for your journals, download the instruction booklet at pushjournal.com to get an early start on setting your push goal and to get a little taste of how the system works. Stop wasting money on goal setting journals or programs that don't stick long term. Instead, find confidence in using a push journal for life. Trust me, you'll be addicted just like me.